Welcome to the GC On Demand podcast, a show about people, about process, about technology, about community. It's great conversations with great technologists about things that matter to you, that matter to all of us. Thanks for listening. Don't forget, visit gcondemand.io for all of the show notes. And with that, let's get started. And we are on. This is the GC On Demand podcast. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, my name is Eric Wright. You may know me as at Disco Posse on Twitter. Uh, and of course, I'm Disco Posse in the Green Circle community, which is where uh, you're going to find all the show notes and, and other links to the GC On Demand podcast. I'm very happy to have uh, a great member of the community with us today. Uh, we have with us Amit Panchal. Uh, Amit is a very interesting fellow. I've been lucky enough to, to talk with on a couple of occasions through interactions around Tech Field Day uh, and been able to meet in person, oh, which is which is really good. And, and truthfully, I'd, I'd love to spend much more time uh, with him. So I'm glad to, to have Amit here today. So with that, Amit, do you want to uh, introduce yourself? Let us know where folks can find you online, and then we're going to talk about a few things uh, around some of the hyper-converged space and uh, and also just community in general. Sure. sure. Yeah. Thanks, Eric. Um, so, yeah, my name is uh, Amit Panchal. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Amit Panchal, A-M-I-T-P-A-N-C-H-A-L, 76. Um, long Twitter handle, I know. Um, and I'm currently a, a pre-sales SC working for EMC. Now, the the fun part is, the you, I, it's hard to imagine that there was another Amit Panchal. And that's like that weird North American <laughs> arrogance that we think like every name should sound like John Smith. But <laughs> there's, <laughs> it's pro there's a lot of names that we always have to fight over. Thus, the reason that I became Disco Posse, because there's a whole lot of Eric Wrights out in the world. And it was really hard to differentiate myself. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, my name's pretty unique, I think. <laughs> as far as community goes, you know, like I said, we we met through Tech Field Day, and and so you did some work, uh, you know, with Stephen Foskett and, and his team. Uh, let's kind of go back. How did you get involved with doing community facing stuff, and yeah. and what's the value that you've seen in in doing that? Uh, that's an important part of the story that I think people would love to hear. Sure. So, yeah, the, the story probably begins uh, probably a couple of years ago now, um, and I was learning about all things community and wondering what the experts were and hearing from people I met at VMworld that community seems to be king. So I really wanted to get myself involved and, and try and see how I could expand my knowledge as number one, and number two is contribute knowledge. So those are my kind of key drivers there. And so I started looking out on, on Twitter initially and, and following people. And I, I soon learned that, you know, there's a lot of things you can do that are voluntary in your own time where you can give up a bit of your time to accelerate yourself. But, but more importantly, Eric, back to your point about trying to accelerate yourself in the community, it's about building a brand. And I realized couple of years ago I, did, I had no brand and nobody really knew who I was so I wanted to make sure that I could be vocal and really spread my message and also get people to to visit my blog to try and help them so 
So it was that that's how it started. And then Techfield Day really came about from um, just knowing a few people that had attended previously and signing up and just getting invited to my first one, which was a couple of years ago. And having been through the Tech Field Day experience, both as a, a delegate and, and a, a presenter, now it's on the on the vendor side. Uh, you know that that doesn't come without a recognition. So your your work, and I'd read read your work prior to, you know, by accident. You know, it's was one of those funny things in the community is I'd I'd read some of your stuff from your VMworld uh, summaries and and whatnot, and it's uh, it's also neat because there's. You know, a strong presence in the UK has a really great group of bloggers that are real strong advocates around the VMware ecosystem and, and virtualization. And so it's funny that we kind of get pocketed to our, our geographic regions because we're in the time zone. But then all of a sudden I got introduced to yourself and to Alex Galbraith and and Ather Beg and a lot of really, really great uh, great folks around you know the world. And, and so it's been neat to watch your progression. So uh, the other thing about, you know, your experience in in moving into now, as you said, your your pre-sales uh, with EMC, what is your sort of primary focus area with the stuff that you're working on there? So so for me, I'm I'm very much a core guy. I don't specialize in anything, and I and I kind of touch on every technology, whether it be hardware, software, solutions for data protection. And it's about just knowing what's coming in the future, but also knowing what's out there that's legacy or, as, as we call, platform too. So it's touching every piece of the infrastructure, really, um, uh, apart from the server side today. So, uh, so yeah, it's really, it's, it's, it's quite good in that the portfolio is wide uh, and it's, you, get to, you get to touch an interface with a lot of arms of, the, of a big corporation. And what's the advantage that you think that somebody with that type of skill set can bring in an in an SE role specifically? Because it's one of the things that a lot of folks get wrapped into is that if they work for you know one company that has a focus you know of one you know one silo in in the technology portfolio, that they kind of focus on that and and they don't look elsewhere. But you do bring a really wide knowledge to it. So, you know, how do you, do you find that they, they help to promote you to do that more? Was it natural for you to be able to fit in? Do you have other folks that are a little more narrow in their focus and what they're doing in an SE role? Yeah, so, so it's a good question, Eric. Yeah, so obviously traditional uh, companies known for storage, but, you know, for me it was, looking at what other solutions they did and only by going through the web and talking to other people I learned that you know what there is more than just storage at the end of the day and and I wanted to really I'd come from a kind of a virtualization and storage background and I didn't want to lose any of the other compute and the other management operation side of the data center and I, I quickly learned that do you know what there are tools solutions out there for everything um, as part of the portfolio. So that was one of the compelling reasons for me really to join the company in the first place um, and, and trying to make sure that by keeping my knowledge wide and broad to start with it enables me to talk to various lines of business about various subjects and topics and not just 
home in on one. So, you know, I could take a conversation one way and literally split that conversation into multiple ways depending on who I talk to. And I really wanted to do that. Um, as you know, I love talking to people. I love interacting. I love understanding people's challenges in the data sense space. Um, and having done that as a customer initially, I thought, do you know what? I want. I'd love to be on the other side of the table and and now talk to vendors about think. Well, talk to customers about the pains I had as a customer and bring some of that real real life experience. But you can go down the specialist route. There there is no no problem with that. If you really feel that you want to focus on a technology or focus on a part of the data center, there are people that do that. Um, but initially, broad exposure was really what I wanted. Yeah, and I think that's there's a huge value to folks that you're going to talk with, you know, on the customer side and, and in general and in the community because I, I feel that generalists really are going to be the successful ones as we go through these next, you know, generations in operation side, especially in hardware and hyper-converged because people used to always ask like, why do you, why do you care about networking? We're in the server team. And I said, well, because I used to be on the desktop team getting asked, why am I looking at servers when I'm on a desktop team? And now here mm -hmm. I am. So, and then next thing you know, you're an architect and you cannot be a successful architect without having had exposure or at least be able to be comfortable in exposing yourself to different areas in the data center, in the cloud and in, in whatever. So, uh, and then that kind of leads me naturally to the next piece, you know, hyperconvergence and converged infrastructure. It's it's the new normal in a lot of ways. Now there's we've got a we've got a long tail ahead for traditional, you know, server architecture, storage architecture, network architectures. But we're definitely moving into an area where, at the very least, converged designs and converged architectures. Even, are becoming something that is going to be widely accepted. You know, I don't know what the time frame is to when it's going to be baseline common, but it's coming. So let's talk about what do you see as this next generation of converged and hyper-converged, and, and how are we seeing the shift in the ecosystem towards it? Yeah, so, so you're right. You know, um, traditional building blocks of the data center are going to still exist and, and there are corporations out there that still invest in the, those traditional stacks but as we're seeing it from an industry perspective um, and especially when you talk to analysts as well it's, it's apparent that there are a lot of pain points in doing it the traditional way and some companies just want to get out of the habit of building IT um, where we see it currently as a company is that the choice of converged infrastructure is a good one um, and, and basically to give you an analogy if you're starting a, a cycle race because I know you're, you're a keen cyclist so if you're starting a cycle race you know the last thing you want to be thinking about when you're on the start line is putting the brakes together putting the tires on the wheels putting the pedals in place fixing all the gears so that you've got the right right places on, on the handlebar. That That is very much the build analogy that we're seeing right now, that people still do that um, in IT. Where we want to take it is we want to make sure that people have a choice to say, you know what, you want to get the cycle at the start line ready for the start, 
so that when your business comes to you and asks you to deliver a project, you can just be ready and say, right, I can go as soon as the whistle goes. So that's our kind of buy mentality when it comes to converged and hyper-converged infrastructures. So we're giving the, the customer um, ultimately the choice to say, do you know, if you want to get out of the practice of building all these infrastructures, waiting for change management to come through, and then procuring, you can speed up your, your deployment cycle a lot. Um, and you can have the choice and flexibility to have the components that make up your converged or hyper-converged infrastructure. So that's really where we're coming from at an angle in 2016 and, and going forward as well. well. Over the next two or three years, I think we're going to see a big evolution in terms of companies that move towards this buy versus build kind of uh, talk. Yeah, I, I like the the direction, and it's it seems natural, you know, because there's no reason why we need to be into the tweaking of of knobs and and dials at, at this point. And at the very least, there's this fear. There's this, so not a fear, but a weird sort of negative connotation that hyperconverged and software defined means that old stuff has to disappear. But I think it's more that we're layering abstraction layers through software-defined infrastructure so that we're going to extend the life cycle, perhaps, of stuff that's already out there. You're not going to have to get rid of stuff that's already under lease or already owns. There's a lot more enablements to bring agility to existing infrastructure, which then prepares, you know, using that same abstraction layer to let the next generation come in underneath it, and then it becomes seamless to the consumer of that infrastructure. Is, is that does that sound like the right kind of? Yeah, way absolutely. absolutely. You know, you nailed it basically because that's that's exactly what we're we're saying as well. And the message isn't rip out everything you've you've got today. The message is optimize what you have today, but for those cloud native, for those new platform three mobile kind of Internet of Things platforms, the next generation of workload, make sure that you you have that ability to say that, you know what, we can deploy infrastructure, whether it be in the cloud or on-premises. You know, you, you can definitely get started up and be more agile and receptive to your business demands, and that's, that's what we're seeing. So, yeah, we're seeing an investment in the optimization strategy, so that's your traditional enterprises, your VMware infrastructures, um, and obviously your traditional mainframe, etc. But we're also seeing the other side of the coin, where we we need to be agile, and that's to every sector in business. So we're seeing people understanding that now. Where do you see the technologists needing to put their learning focus over the course of the next, let's say, six to twelve months? So if I'm a traditional virtualization admin. And I'm right now. I'm going into the vSphere and vCenter GUI, and I'm managing my my content that way. Like, if you had to say, this is my advice. You should start looking at this. You know, what what is your this? What's your next step for say regular virtualization admins? Yeah, um, yeah. That's that's something that actually is is being talked about a lot. Um, and my take on it is. You know, we, we've heard this term full stack engineer um, quite a lot this year. 
and it is it is kind of being that person that that is kind of well-rounded and knows other pockets of the data center and focuses on other technologies as a generalist and you know let's let's make no mistake that the virtualization specialists they may still be needed but probably less of them um, and it's really to get ahead it's about understanding public cloud understanding what exists out there in terms of meshing hybrid cloud infrastructures talking about the network stack at a very high level but also understanding that the role is going to be very much different from what was a virtualization administrator today may be a cloud administrator tomorrow and so for me the message is simple that it's it's time to you know carry on understanding the VMware and the Hyper-V, whichever virtualization framework you're more confident on, but also start gripping the newer areas, you know, the Azure's, the AWS's, you know, VirtuStream as well, one of one of our uh, cloud offerings, but anything like that, it's, it's basically broadening your knowledge so that you don't miss the boat. And there's this concept that we're, we've got to pick one and like hitch your wagon to it and and go deep but i i'm with you i like the idea that you know, look at everything that's coming you know keep a generalist approach to it so that we don't get caught out because it's the the mm. it's going to shift <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah absolutely. you can only it, it's it's that whole thing if you're on a if you're on a boat that's slowly sinking it's still huh. sinking you know and you're going to be able to get out and you've got lots of time to develop a plan don't live like it's going to to end and to to speak to the full stack engineer my my favorite i ever heard was it was a tweet from matt oswald he's mirdin m-i-e-r-d-i-n uh on twitter uh, matt's a super funny guy and, and incredibly smart uh developer uh, focus brought into networking he does really cool stuff around that but anyways, he calls it a full stack overflow engineer. And and that's what it is. We don't have to know everything, but the advantage comes in being able to find out a solution, a fix, or at least kind of a direction quickly and being able to adapt and be agile. So I think that's definitely teaching yourself how to teach yourself, you know, learning how to learn. Yeah. And... Maybe you can talk about this when you walk into a conversation and you're you know, introduced to somebody new, whether it's a community or a customer or, or whatever it is. What's the what's the value in listening for that first while? I mean, because I think a lot of us get lost on. I'm going to tell you about what we do. I'm going to tell you about this thing that I've built. And in mm -hmm. fact, the first thing we should ask should be: So, what is it that you're trying to solve? How do you, yeah. how do you learn to do that, and and what's your sort of approach when you talk with people in and out of you know business and community? Yeah, so it's it's, it's a great it's a great um, question. That me personally, I, I I like to understand the business challenges. I like to understand what's keeping people up at night. You know, what what are they really struggling with? I, the, the product sell is kind of the old days now, and and again. It's about helping a customer or helping a community member with a particular challenge. Um, it's, it's no good now going in to say, you know, I do an array that does this many IOPS and this much latency, and here you go, Mr. Customer. You know, those conversations are gone. They may have worked 20 years ago, but today 
for me, it's very much about you know getting a whiteboard out, perhaps leaving PowerPoint to the side and saying, you know, show me what your does your data center look like, or show me what are your pain points, and then let's start with that and let's see where we can help you. And it may not be you need to buy a product; it may just be you need some consulting or you need to talk with someone in your in a similar industry to yourself. So it might be about bringing someone in to help that conversation. So I think that really resonates well, definitely with the customer side um, from what I've seen. Um, and then with the community side, I'd say it's about imparting knowledge and also gaining knowledge because at the end of the day, every community member I've talked to, I seem to learn something off all the time. And, and they also do as well in terms of you know, where are you going with your career, where are you going with your knowledge and what your business principles are. So it's a two-way street at the end of the day, both with customers and community members. And it's very good that you, you, you highlighted something strong there, which is you may not have a solution to bring but I may know somebody else who's having a similar challenge and, and like it's bringing a lot of folks together. Community has done that. If I ask a vendor a question and they just yes their way through it, then I, I, I lose confidence in it. I'd rather have somebody say, you know what, our, our solution is really not going to be the right fit in this case. But let me tell you, we've got, we may have something else and we've got some other folks that have had a similar thing that they've done. Hearing no, but here's how I can help is one of the best answers instead of like, oh yeah, yeah, totally, totally. <laughs> like, and, and I've, I've heard it, you know, with a lot of companies where it's, we, we want to get to, you know, we're running a business, right? They have to, they have to sell a product, they have to sell a service, they have to do something, but it's, it doesn't all have to be done on that, in that first hour of the first meeting. <laughs> no, 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 definitely not. Definitely not. And, and, and you're right, Eric, what you're saying is, is, taking that that principle of putting the customer first and, and obviously to, we, we have a, a cliched phrase again trusted advisor right so it's it's being that trusted advisor and being that person that is that is someone there that can help you or that could suggest a partner that could help you right so it's, it's about pulling in the right people to talk that's the key now of course in in the community, uh, you know, we also have a good opportunity to see, like you said, the growth and where everybody else is taking their careers and, and their stuff. And I noticed a big shift recently. I just did my AWS uh, Solutions Architects yeah. exam, and I noticed a lot of other people are similarly going down the study <laughs> route with that. I've been yeah. doing, there's, we're, we're all doing a lot of different things now. So what's your... What's your thing that you're thinking of moving into that's maybe not even something you're doing in the office today? Yeah, yeah. So actually, it's interesting you bring that up. Um, I just noticed a few more people in the UK, um, just in the last day or two, AWS Solutions Architects. And, you know, that that's that's pretty uh, appealing, actually, especially with the, the wide resources that are out there right now to, to learn that. Um, but... That's that's just done on that cloud side. I'd say for me, it's very much trying to also make sure that I recertify up anything that's expiring. So I'm, I've been a bit lazy in that respect, and and waiting for dates to get sent to me, and trying to keep up to date with expiry from Microsoft and VMware exams is it's always a difficult challenge. But 
it's something that I've got to do. So for me, I'm going to do that this year and hopefully just update everything in the, in my arsenal. Um, but definitely on the on the new area, AWS is is a very good area, strong area, as is the Microsoft uh, Azure platform as well, especially with Azure Stack coming pretty much fast around the corner. Um, and I'd say another another area which people don't always think about is is business and personal related courses and skills. And there's a there's a raft of of things out there. They may not get you a certification, but at the end of the day. Some of those courses are out there to help you talk business, right? And it's a great thing to be able to talk business and IT in the same conversation. So I'll be looking for more of those kind of areas in which to expand my knowledge. So if I if I could pick your brain on a on a resource, you know, mm. what's your what's something that you're maybe reading right now or you're listening to that mm. that you would say to somebody, this is this has been super helpful to me. I would recommend it, and it can be business, technical, personal, mm-hmm. anything at all. Yeah, so, so for me, it's I'm, I'm a big fan of podcasts, and 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 the last year, um, obviously, I, I've subscribed to two, way too many, and that's that's one of my great resources for learning and obviously understanding how how technology is shifting, how people are. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot of resources out there. One of the recent ones as well was the Phoenix Project. Um, I actually read that uh, I'd say at the beginning of this year, um, and then I noticed actually a lot of tweets and messages coming out from fellow bloggers mentioning the book, and it's a great a great introduction to DevOps and the culture of of that and how people deal with change. Um, and stability in the data center. So that's a great book, well worth reading. Um, and then secondly, I, I'd say another another great resource for me is definitely the, the kind of the vendor sites that, that deal a lot with technology. So, you know, the VM, VMware sites, Microsoft Ones, and the community sites as well. Or, you know, even the, the VM Turbo, the Veeam community ones, they're, they're really, really good source of knowledge, uh, not to mention the, the EMC, ECM community forums as well, right? So I have so many places for resources, but for me, the number one is, is podcast. Literally, it has revolutionized the way I think, um, and especially how I think around business and IT. It's neat because you're listening to a conversation, you know, rather than than reading it and trying to infer stuff out of it. Uh, yeah. That's one thing. I'm always challenged by the idea of listening to a lot, and and I hit the, I did the same thing with you. I say this as I'm like hosting a podcast, <laughs> right? but it's tough because there's so many great resources out there, and you're committed to real time consumption. Like I can I can read very quickly, but yeah. I can only listen at a fixed rate, you know, and some people may be listening to this and it sounds like, you know, Mickey Mouse and Alvin and the Chipmunks because they played it like two times uh-huh. speed to get through it quickly. Uh, and in fact, I did that for, uh, for I, I used a cloud guru as one of my um, uh, yes. resources for the AWS certification. And I listened to it at two times. So every wow. single time I was, hello, cloud gurus. And then we're going <laughs> to you immediately and you just like go through the whole thing and, uh, I did the same thing with all, all the plural site content. I listened to it at, yeah. at multiple times. So when I meet the authors, it's so funny mm-hmm. because you're like, "Wow, you sound very different in real real life." Like, <laughs> like, yeah. Talking yeah. at one times pace. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can do one and a half times. I can't stretch myself to two times the speed yet. It's a it's a whole <laughs> different different beast. And maybe I want to close out with one more thing, Amit, because we've we've talked about all these different ways to do more, and somewhere in there, there's there's family and and there's work, and that's an interesting one. You have you know a public facing personal brand. You have you're you're active on Twitter. You're active in communities. You're uh, you're doing stuff obviously with EMC and with work. Uh, you know how do you how do you balance that? against stuff and that's an important part of the phoenix project story as well is this idea of like hey we take our work home and when you're like yeah. me we're on a 24-hour cycle with twitter access right yeah 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 so it's a it's a challenge it's a difficult one actually um it's it's one that that i see a lot and i heard a lot from my previous team um when i when i used to manage a team in fact it was around time and i don't have time how will I be able to do this? But the way I started doing it initially was just taking 10 minutes, 15 minutes out in the evening, taking lunchtime to catch up on some reading or learning about something, and just going on from there. It's, it's a difficult thing to balance all these things in our life, professional, personal, you know, development, and how we, we accelerate as individuals. But I think if you don't take that 10, 15 minutes and then increase that over time and just look for a slot in the evening and think what could you drop and prioritizing as well, that helps to really get some time back. And then commuting as well, great way. That's how I feel my commuting time is listening to podcasts. So I can catch up on things on the train or in the car. You know, that's another great way. People do flying all the time as well, especially in the U.S., you know, that's a great time to catch up on things and accelerate your development. So no one's gonna no one's gonna help you to get that time or to give you advice on what you should do. And and you have to really be the stakeholder as a person to say, I'm going to make this my objective and really make sure that you put time aside to focus on one thing initially and then you'll grow to realize there's ways of balancing time. Nice. Well, that's that's really really good advice, and 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 that's so it's a powerful part of of the story and, and everything that we do, and and people need to yeah, it, it's people need to find the way to do that. I know I struggle with it continuously, and a lot of folks in the community generally do. It's uh, yeah. and it's normal. It's completely normal for us to say like, wow, yes, we, yes. you have to you have to dial back sometimes. But you're right. You can find it in small little chunks and little ten minute windows. So I, I yeah. like that approach. Sure. Well, with that, uh, we're going to close up for for the show today. Uh, thank you very much, Amit, for coming. This has been a, a great pleasure to chat and have you on. I look forward to an opportunity to meet in person. Uh, so, again, where do folks find you online? Uh, do you have any events coming up uh, in the over the course of the summer that we can expect to find you at? Yeah, yeah sure. So, um, again, once again, I'm on Twitter at amitpanchal76. Uh, my website as well is apanchal.com. So you can uh, you can find all my links to my social media on there. Um, so events coming up probably this year will be VMworld Barcelona for me. Um, I was planning on going to Vegas, um, but I had a clash uh, with a personal event that I've got. So I've now been, I've changed my mind and, and I'm going to be at Barcelona, so 
I'm sure I can catch up with many folk uh, there in the, in the community hang space. Excellent. Yeah, it's uh, that that is definitely it's my advice to anybody that goes to VMworld, uh, spend some time in the community hang space because it, it is often one of the more valuable places just because it's so busy rushing from event to event and session to session. It doesn't take long before we realize, hey, there's some really cool conversations and meetings that are happening there. And then there's such there's great folks like yourself that are that have a physical presence in those rooms. And, and it's a, a real blast to, to meet up with folks. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much for coming on today. Uh, and, uh, of course, for folks that want to listen to more uh, more like this, you can subscribe. Just go to gcondemand.io. There's going to be links to the, uh, the show notes as well as to the subscription for iTunes, for Stitcher, uh, for the Google Play Store, as well as our direct RSS feed. Great. Thanks for having me, Eric. Thanks. If you like what you heard here and want to hear much more, don't forget to subscribe to the GC On Demand podcast. You can go to gcondemand.io where you'll find the links in order to catch us in iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, and more. So go to gcondemand.io. Don't forget to rate us in your podcaster of choice and look for much, much more. Have a show idea? Tweet us at GC On Demand. Thanks for listening.